So recently Resolute TV had the distinctive pleasure of interviewing E. Michael Jones. You're welcome, Dean. And now we are putting together the special so you can see it firsthand. Check out E. Michael Jones on Resolute TV. Full interview. So ladies and gentlemen, uh, we've got an amazing guest from the US tonight. We get some pretty good US guests. I've, I've been called out for having some really interesting guests and this guy's definitely in the very, very interesting category. Anyone who's never heard of Dr. E. Michael Jones hasn't been paying much attention. Uh, Culture Wars is um, his brand, I suppose is a good way to put it. Uh, I understand you got kicked out of a university for wrong think, which means you and I will get along really well. Um, so everybody on Resolute TV or supporters of, of this little program, love freedom, love independence. Uh, Dr. E. Michael, tell our guests who don't know who you are a little bit about yourself. Yes, as you mentioned, I started off life as a professor at a small Catholic college in South Bend, Indiana, uh, um, and got fired one year after that for being against abortion. And I thought this was odd, and I had trouble explaining it to my professors. And at that point, I decided to get out of academe uh, and started uh, a magazine called Fidelity, which then became Culture Wars, which is now you can uh, find at culturewars.com. So it was the best decision I ever made. Um, uh, academe has gone uh, from bad to worse over this period of time. The whole uh, idea of academic freedom has disappeared completely and it's been replaced by political correctness. And all of these uh, institutions have become uh, representative of oligarch interests, uh, largely through uh, the government funding of uh, financial programs and grants and so on and so forth. So we have to realize that uh, you can't do independent thinking if you're associated with the university, but uh, other things, God closes one door and opens another. And as I said, it's the best thing that ever happened to me because I was allowed to do research into what actually happened in the Catholic Church and why I got fired, but also the bigger picture of, of the whole role that the American empire has played over this past this period of time, ever since World War II, the role of social engineering, for example, uh, which is uh, a word, a term that uh, nobody seemed to use for a while, and now it's coming back into, into parlance because we are been, being subjected to one form of social engineering after another, largely directed by uh, oligarchs who control the American empire. Yeah, look, 100%. I, I've sort of, uh, we've had a couple of big cases over here. I'm not sure if you're familiar with Dr. Peter Reed. He was or was, is a, a fairly well-regarded professor who was sort of questioning the climate change narrative in the universities and was terminated accordingly. So he's been uh, fighting a pretty serious lawsuit, uh, you know, obviously regarding wrongful termination and, and his inability to question the, the status quo of thinking, which, and I'm, I'm very much a layman, I'm a chef by profession. Uh, so, you know, when I look at it, that's what professors are designed to do, critically think sort of in these the areas that they specialise for the rest of us to, to, to learn that our universities, and Australia's got as, as many problems as I believe uh, as the United States universities, most of the Western world, um, that they're controlling what, what, what the super brains of our, our communities are, are allowed to teach and learn and, and be truthful about. It's terrifying. 
Yeah, it is. And, and basically, what happened at the university was a prelude to what was going to happen throughout the entire culture. It was they sort of tried it out at the university. They succeeded there, and then they started expanding their reach uh, over more and more areas in in uh, common culture. So uh, the last last year, for example, we had the uh, battle over the internet. Uh, the same speech code. So, so you put this pressure on people. You put pressure on people like me. You force us out of the university, and suddenly we find the internet, and suddenly we find that we can go directly to people all over the world through platforms. Exactly what we're doing right now, and the oligarchs decided they didn't like that either. And so during <laughs> 2019, uh, this is a, a classic example of what I'm talking about. The um, two Harvard professors wrote uh, for the uh, Atlantic Monthly. Now, these are real oligarchic institutions, both Harvard and the Atlantic Monthly, both ancient in, in terms of America. They go back Atlantic 100 years, Harvard 300 years. And uh, the Harvard professors said that uh, 19, the 2019 battle, they admitted that there was one, was over unwanted content. That was their direct quote, unwanted content. Well, wait a minute, unwanted by whom? Yeah. Who, who who gets to decide who who can who wants the content and who gets to decide whether this content is uh, appropriate and this content is not? Well, we have no mechanism for doing this. There is no mechanism in place. It's basically the Internet is new. Uh, YouTube took on a huge uh, role in this thing. They're new. And so what happened over this period of time is. A private organization stepped in, and the main private organization that stepped in during this period of time was the Anti-Defamation League, the ADL. It's a Jewish organization in America. It was created uh, basically to keep Jewish criminals out of jail. It was a money laundering operation uh, between Jewish criminals and uh, the people who uh, ran interference for them. The classic instance was Mo Dalitz criminal. The FBI was after him. He gave enough money to the ADL so that in 1984, the ADL gave him their Torches of Liberty Award. So he was legit. This is what the ADL does. They did it with Jeffrey Epstein. They did it with uh, any number of people. And now these people arrive on the scene in 2019 and they announce that they are going to be the arbiter of who gets on the internet. And the criterion is going to be hate speech. Well, no one knows what hate speech is. If you look into it, it's a completely hollow term. And it turns out it's any speech that the ADL doesn't like. Well, that's what yeah. it is. And so we had this battle all throughout 2019 uh, with YouTube. You're going to be deplatformed. Nobody knows what the criteria are. It's as if, uh, if they gave us a list of things, okay, you're not allowed to say this. That would be one thing. We might disagree with it, but at least we would know what the criteria were. As things stand now, we don't know anything. And people uh, are just going to uh, get uh, deplatformed without even knowing why. Okay? That was 2019. Now, that Harvard professor, the, those professors I talked to you about, that article was not about hate speech. It was not about 2019. It was about the COVID pandemic. Well, what's the COVID pandemic got to do with hate speech? Well, yes. it's, it's another, it's a continuation of the hate speech campaign. Now, that's not I'm me saying that. That's the Harvard professors are saying that. 
<laughs> in other words, we had a situation where uh, they lost. I mean, there were lots of people who got deplatformed. They got deplatformed unjustly, but we reached a kind of stalemate. And the stalemate was uh, in uh, November. We had uh, the ADL comes out with a statement. Sasha Baron Cohen threatened the Silicon Valley. The next day, there's a statement. Ten people. These are ten people. They have to be deplatformed immediately, says the ADL. That's that's absolutely mental. I I happen to be one of them. Uh, I've been harassed but still alive like St. Paul. And we reached the stalemate. Okay, then suddenly we have the COVID virus. Well, wait a minute. Now we've got even a bigger form of social engineering. Okay, I'm not saying there wasn't a virus, but there's a virus every year. It's called (laughs) seasonal flu. My my uh, my professor uh, philosophy uh, in college when I was in college, he died in 2017-18. A huge pandemic, if you want to call it. 1.5 1.5 million people died of a flu that no one knew existed. I didn't even know it existed until I heard that he died. He died in Munich. He was 84 years old. He was weak, old, and so on and so forth. Yeah. So far, 250,000 people have died with the COVID thing, and it's a lockdown over the entire world. It's, it's so, terrifying. So this, is the ty- this is the type of social engineering that we're being subjected to now on a, an increasingly uh, frantic base. So now it looks as if we can't go from we have to go from one crisis to another. And this is the way these people are going to govern us. So just to, to bring us up to date, it looked as if the COVID virus was wearing off. I don't know what happened in Australia, but there was a, a, a terrible lockdown, a really draconian lockdown in Michigan. There were huge protests. The governor completely mis- misunderstood what was going on, imposed a serious lockdown. There were huge protests in Lansing. She threatened them all with arrest. And then suddenly everybody just woke up one day and said, hey, if I'm not going to get it now, I'm never going to get it. I'm going outside. I'm going for a walk. I'm going to the beach. And what happened then? What happened then? What happened then is Minneapolis, Minnesota. We have the latest crisis. Okay. And now this is the old standby in American culture called the race crisis. We, they bring this out on it. It's almost as predictable as the seasonal flu. Okay. Every, every, whenever it's necessary, we have a race problem. So it used to be Ferguson. Now it's Minneapolis. I'm not, again, I'm, I'm, there may have been a COVID virus out there. I'm not denying that. There, there was a man who knelt on that. The cop knelt on the guy, the guy died. That's, you know, that's gotta be adjudicated. But that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about the manipulation of these events as forms of control. Now, world control throughout the world. And and that's precisely what we have now with this race thing. So to bring this story to its absurd conclusion, okay, we have a group of scientists now who issued a statement saying they supported the protesters in the George Floyd protest. And these people are in no danger of contracting the COVID virus. <laughs> well, wait a minute. They're not, we're, they're not practicing social distancing. What's going on? They're, they're burning down buildings. Uh, and then, as if that wasn't bad enough, but they said, uh, but lockdown protests are not a good idea. 
well, wait a minute. You just you just exploded this whole the whole plan here, the whole made up <laughs> plan, and you're explaining how you're using one crisis after another, basically to 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 keep us under control when we're losing faith in your narrative. Yep. Yes. Now look, we we've had a lot of the, a lot of the same sort of stuff. You could almost throw climate change in there as another another control on the on the narrative. Uh, keep everybody scared. That's that's sort of a long-term term fear thing. We've had very similar here. Uh, we've actually now got copycat protests um, over here happening this weekend, whereby the Black Lives Matter um, movement over here, which I don't know how that all adds up, but just all absolute madness. But now they want to protest this weekend. One of the episodes I did for Resolute here uh, two weeks ago was a whole bunch of people that I sort of interacted with and interviewed regarding they were protesting the lockdowns in two different cities in Australia. And I, one, one young guy who was arrested or, as he pointed it, kidnapped because there was no law that they could actually arrest him on, but they kidnapped him for protesting the lockdown. And this uh, a mum. So she was there with one of her children and they were both separated and the police not wearing masks or anything, not social distancing, grabbed her and threw her into the bull wagon and off they sort of went. Here today, our premiers in two states have announced that they're having a protest amnesty sort of, so to speak. So anybody who wants to protest the, the race riots and things in America, they'll be free to do so Absolutely ridiculous. So that my, my couple of friends here the other week all got fines, you know, like government imposed fines for, you know, breaking the lockdown and breaking the well, rules. I have, I have a solution to this problem. Tell your friends that they were protesting racism. Yeah. It wasn't, they weren't protesting the lockdown. They were protesting. And then the fines will be lifted. It'll be okay. Well, I, I happen to be in the middle of a little election over here at the moment. That's one of the, the things I've called for today is everybody who was fined under the previous COVID-19 rules needs to be reimbursed their money um, because there's no there's no correlation. You can't you can't protest. The government approves of this protest, but not this protest. The whole idea of protesting is who gives a shit what government thinks. Sorry about the language. I'm not sure if you use the odd, odd bit of language. No, it's exactly the point. The point is here. Now, we're supposed to believe that this this virus can distinguish between Democrats and Republicans. This virus, <laughs> this virus has that. It's been weaponized. It has those little things, those little things on the top of it, you know. And they can zero in and they can tell whether you're a left-wing anti-racist protester or a right-wing anti-lockdown protester. Now, if you're an anti-lockdown protester, you can get the virus. But if you're an anti-racism, no, you can't get the virus. This is preposterous. They blew up. They blew up their own social engineering. It's yeah, it's madness. And and just so yeah, you're aware, Australia's being a good little copycat over here, and whatever's going on over there is is happening here. That's right, right in line. I and, and I mean, look, uh, this police officer or the group of police officers killing somebody. I don't know anybody that would endorse that. You know, obviously that's a terrible thing for people to do. You, you know, yeah. we're, and if you're a, a taxpayer funded employee you're not a you're there to protect and serve the public not go around killing them you know over fraudulent right. money and i don't know how you feel about you know the fiat currency but i I, th I think it's all fairly fraudulent money these days um 
you, we cannot, we cannot condone the disruption of the rule of law. We, we are, I support the rule of law. Everyone should be equal before the law. We cannot condone people uh, burning down buildings. The lockdown protesters didn't burn down any buildings. But it turns out that your, your, uh, your vulnerability before the law now depends on the political correctness of your cause. Mm. So you can burn down a damn building and you will get off scot-free. You, if, if you protest the lockdown, then they will give you a fine. This is preposterous. I, I, if I had the prime minister here in front of me, I'd say, do you really want to destroy your own culture? Do you really want to destroy respect for authority? Do you want to re destroy respect for the rule of law? Well, keep doing what you're doing and you will get what you're, what you're looking for. Yeah, yeah. I mean, our, um, our conservative party over here is very, very much left wing these days. It's complete madness well that's so, what we had we had in america two parties that represented the oligarchs and no party that represented the people and that's why the people voted for donald trump now whatever donald trump did after that that's his business but i know why people voted for him and that that's yeah, yeah. the reason so i said i said this before i mean years ago the people in australia there was a group of people wanted me to come you know i said look we got we got to fight this gay marriage stuff you know and I kept yeah. thinking, I, look, I said, you know, you, you used to be a, a penal colony, okay? Yes. Your, your, your great-granddaddy stole Trevelyan's corn, and they put him on the ship, and they sent him off to Botany Bay. But at least he knew he was a prisoner. And I'm yeah. saying, you don't even know you're a prisoner now. You're, you're a neo-penal colony now. And the difference between a, the old penal colony and neo-penal colony is you lock yourself in your cell every night. You do it yep. yourself. And the, and the proof of this, the proof that you're a, a neo-penal colony is that you're doing this gay marriage referendum. This is ridiculous. Is this a real issue? Uh, is this an issue that has impact on the real world, on whether a, a father can support his family with his wage a decent wage? Does it have anything to do with reality? No. It is purely an oligarchic uh, maneuver to, to subjugate local populations to the new world order. And the same thing applies to Ireland. It's worse. Ireland was worse than Australia. They, they did the same type of thing and nobody could understand. Nobody could explain what was happening. I was not allowed to come. I couldn't. I couldn't get. I couldn't get over there. I couldn't get any support from the Catholic Church. Went from one guy to another. I actually talked to one bishop, who uh, you know just can't deal with it. Can't deal with it. Well, you're never going to solve the problem because the fact that you didn't deal with it then means it's worse now, and it's going to get worse until people wake up and realize. Wait a minute. This is not about racism. This is not about a disease. This is about control. This is how these people control us now. Isn't it amazing that a chef and a, a professor of your stature can see that um, such similarities in how our governments are controlling us? We're supposed to be worlds apart, yourself and I, just intellectually and on a general general basis. Yet I can sit there and see great value in everything you're saying because I don't want to be a prisoner. I don't want to be owned by my government. I'm not a slave. I, I refuse to be a slave. Hence, why we created this this program is one of my ways of fighting back, and hence why I participate in politics. 
I now you may or may not agree with me here, but I believe the right and left narrative of politics is dead in the water. I think what we're left with with after all this will be authoritarians and totalitarians versus people who want their freedom. And right. then somewhere in the middle you'll have your you'll have your consenting slaves who will just be so so you know useful idiots for lack of a better term. I, I think I think the main issue or one one of the crucial issues is local representation and representative government. Do do yep. these do these this came across in Indiana uh, a couple of years ago where the state legislature of the state of Indiana passed something called the Religious Freedom Restoration Act, which basically said this was a reaction to the homosexual juggernaut. Exactly the same thing that came to Australia when you have this referendum on gay marriage. So the people of Indiana didn't like it. They didn't like the fact that they were being pushed around by these big guys, big shots in New York and Washington. And so the government, state government, passed a law saying you cannot be intimidated. If you, if you have religious objections to homosexuality, they can't force you to bake a wedding cake for their gay wedding. Okay? Yeah, well, yeah. the oligarchs blew up. It was like the biggest thing since the Civil War in Indiana. Oligarchs <laughs> flying in from, you know, from California all over, all over saying, you can't do this. Well, wait a minute. Why can't we do this? Isn't that why we have a state legislature? Isn't that why we have state government? Well, what they're saying is that if the oligarchs don't like what your state government does, they have veto power. This is yeah. Mar Mark Benioff flew in Salesforce. He flies in from San Francisco. He doesn't live in Indiana. He's never been elected to office. And he tells the government, to you have to overturn your law. And that guy who was governor was Mike Pence. Mm. And Mike Pence is now vice president of the United States because he didn't know what he was doing. I think that's why I think that's a qualification. Cluelessness is a qualification for becoming vice president uh, of the United States. <laughs> and he filled that admirably because he didn't have a clue about what was going on. So when they brought him before the cameras, they said, well, doesn't this discriminate or something? He didn't know what to say. He didn't know what to say because he said, well, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Who elected this guy? Who gave this guy the right to overturn the ruling of the state government? And if he had stated it in that terms, he would have won the debate. He could be president if he said that. But because he was too stupid to say that, they, he made him vice president. But that's the question. That's where, no matter where you are. Do Australians have the right to uh, govern their world according to their the, the 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 rule the will of the people? Yes or no? That's what representative government is. And so you have these these referenda, which give you the illusion, the illusion of popular support when they're all manipulated by Google and all these other operations that come in and control the, the thought patterns. Yeah, yeah. No, look, 100%. I can tell you right now, no, we, we don't have um, the power of the direction. The people have very, very little power over here. It's been eroded rapidly, and I think we've got a long way to go as, as a country. I'm, I, I saw the work you did with Dia and James, and we're all sort of friends, and I, I, I sort of sit in a slightly different political box to those guys, but we all get along great, and we all have the same fears of... One, how corrupt, yeah, corrupt, how corrupt our entire system is. I'm not going to, you know, the individuals, I don't know which ones are doing real shady things and which ones are doing highly um, immoral things. I, I don't know. 
What I do know is as a system, what we have is corrupted. It does not work and it does not represent the people. And, you know, for me, I'm running for part, a level of parliament over here. And to be fair, I shouldn't even be in the conversation. I'm only there because there are enough people looking at me going, he's almost mad enough to, to hold these guys accountable. And that's the only value they see in me being involved is there as a, as a mechanism for accountability for the, the bought, and, bought and paid for politicians. And yeah. we're, we're yeah. close to being a, a, a subset of China now. We've pretty, pretty well been bought. Um, but parties from our, our conservative party and our, well, what you know, what you guys call liberals are our Labor Party because we do it sort of all backwards over here. I don't know why. Um, you know, we've, we've got, we're, we're getting signed up by state parliament to the Chinese Belt Road Plan. I've got a former transport minister. He's now an employee of the company that purchased the port of Darwin. So Chinese companies purchased our key pop end of the country port. One of our former transport ministers now got an $800,000 a year job with this said company. It reeks to high hell of corruption. And, you know, we've, we've almost given up as a society. I think we're, I don't know the state you guys are in overall. You're a bit much bigger population than us. But we're, we're in dire straits over here, doctor. We're at big time. Well, I think that the, the other side of the coin is that a lot has changed in the consciousness of the people since the gay marriage referendum. A lot has changed. You know, we, th this, this COVID virus, I think, is, is, was an important step here because uh, this was science. Let's face it. No one can argue with a scientist. We have Anthony Fauci up there telling the world that they have to get a vaccine. And then Bill Gates comes in and he's, he's a rich scientist. He's not a scientist, but he's a rich guy. And he, he created Microsoft and now he's doing vaccines and he's telling us it, we won't go back to normal until we get a vaccine. And by the way, I'm going to produce the vaccine and you'll make me even richer by getting this vaccine and you'll be the guinea pig. Well, wait a minute. Everybody suddenly woke up at a certain point and they sort of understood, wait a minute, why is Bill Gates uh, ruling us all? Who made yeah. him? Who made him king? Well, so the reaction came immediately it, yeah. it did it didn't it didn't it wasn't like 9 11 where years later you suddenly woke up and said wait a minute how did that one building come down nothing hit that building how did that happen that took years this took, yeah, yeah. This took days this took days oh, there, was, there was a reaction immediately and suddenly people were going on with information that contradicted the 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 uh the dominant narrative, the conventional narrative, and it started to make sense to people. And so guess what? They did the same thing to, to, to COVID that they did to hate speech the year before. They deplatformed people. Well, wait a minute. This yeah. is not going to work. This is, you can't have it both ways. You can't tell us that we're all promoting freedom here and America stands for freedom. And the minute you say something that the oligarchs don't like, you get kicked out or you get uh, fined, or you get this, or you get that. This is the crisis for them, okay? Because yeah. we're seeing the man behind the curtain. We're seeing the man behind the curtain. Yeah. I mean, uh, with, with our lockdowns, Doctor, we had, um, so on the mobile phone, we had, you know, have, have you got like that COVID app in America yet? Have they tried to jam that down your throats yet? <laughs> so we had, uh, you know, like a, it was just a basic uh, mobile phone, you know, 
download the app and it'll tell it'll tell us whether you've come into contact with somebody who's been diagnosed with COVID-19. And with all the lockdowns, our, our Prime Minister came out here during, and I'd, I'd sort of always given him the benefit of the doubt as just being a bit inept. You know, when you, and you may not, but I looked at him and I always thought he was, he, he was never supposed to get elected. He won the election that couldn't be won. I, he was a bit of a, he tripped, fell and landed into the job. He was never supposed to get the job. And I always just looked at him as he kind of landed there by accident. Therefore, when he messed things up, it was because he wasn't sort of, you know what I mean? He wasn't really groomed for the job. He was never right. touted as the, the great leader or anything. But then I watched a heap of these speeches that he did through the COVID initial lockdown when the panic was on and everybody was, you know, terrified and, and the media, everything on the media was fear, fear, fear. After a little while, they've developed this app and he, he got up there on, on the news one day and he was doing a daily speech. And in this speech, and it, it rattled me to the point that I thought, this guy's got to go. They'd be better putting in, you know, a cat, a dog. Uh, you know what I mean? Anything's got to be better than this bloke. Right. And he got up and he said, right, we've decided that you've all been good enough now. You've, you've done well and you deserve a reward. So we're going to start releasing restrictions as long as X amount of people have this app downloaded, we'll start, uh, we'll start letting you out. I'm thinking, I'm not a prisoner. I haven't done anything wrong. And you can shove your app fair up your backside. Now, some people said to me it was due, I was worried about it because of the tracking wasn't the tracking that scared me. I know they're tracking us anyway. They've got a fair idea what goes on with these phones. The bit that scared me was the demand that X amount of people would take a directive from government to download something. How, how easy is it? How easy are we going to comply? The answer should have been no bugger off. You know what I mean? We're not slaves. Why would we all just download this thing because you told us to? I don't want to see my people turn around, and my people's just the Australian people being so easily scared into compliance, if they can scare you with that, what else can they scare you with? Right. The next right. thing you will take a mandatory vaccination. They will mandatorily vaccinate me over my dead body. If they bring out a vaccination, I'd like to research it myself. I'd like to talk to doctors about it who are smarter than I am and go, what does this mean? What is this chemical? How does this work? Can you explain this to me? Before I'm going to let them inject me with anything. I That's think what I realise. I think that's exactly what happened. There were people, the consciousness came to a certain point. Okay. And, and when they started saying vaccine, then the people got really upset because suddenly the government is going to impose something on you, like a vaccine, a chemical that somebody invented that you're going to allow them to put in your body, jeopardizing your health, especially after we know uh, Bill Gates' track record in India, all the people who died in India as a result of his vaccines, all the people who died in Africa as a result of those vaccines. And that's going to, uh, we're supposed to do that. Uh, I think that was the turning point. I think people, yep. what, what, what you have here is uh, you've got people with a lot of guns here. You know, and I think it's I think it's stupid. <laughs> I, I think it's an obsolete form of uh, warfare. You know, it's we're dealing with state of the art warfare right now because it's a warfare about ideas. But the fact of the matter is that there are lots of people with guns 
And if you came to them, as they did in India, I, I saw the video in India, the medical professionals showed up at a house in India and they say, we want to test your mother and see if she's uh, got the COVID virus. Well, they, they had to escape. They were running for their lives because they're not going to put up with that. The Indians, are, even a, a country as docile as the Indians, they're not going to put up with it. And so a country that's armed to the teeth like America, they're not going to put up with it. And I think this yeah. is precisely what happened. The oligarchs understood it's over. It's not going to work. And that's why we have race riots. That's yeah. why we had to shift. I mean, this is, I'm not denying that somebody died. That's true. But the question is, what do you put on the evening news? That's the real question. Who decides yeah. what gets on the evening news? Who decides that nothing but this is going to get on the evening news? Just as nothing but COVID virus was on the evening news for three months. And now we who does, who makes these decisions? And what is the purpose of their decisions? And what, the, what is their agenda? This is something we have to ask because they're imposing this on us uh, out of fear. We are supposed to comply because we're scared to death of, of dying of a virus. And once we woke up to that fact, they had to change the narrative. They had to change it on their own. And so yeah. one day after the riots in Minneapolis, the governor of Michigan announced, hey, we're lifting the lockdown. Okay. Of course he did. She, she, she lifted oh, the lockdown. She lifted the lockdown because she knew that she was in trouble because the majority of the people in the state of Michigan had decided we're, we're over this. Is, we've had it. We're going out. We're going outside. And so to save face and to distract everyone's attention, she announced it after the Minneapolis riot started. That's crazy, isn't it? It's it, look, uh, the, the biggest thing for me is just I, I feel like there's so much dishonesty behind the curtain. Um, our politicians are guilty of it. Our media is guilty of it. And, and Australia's just like you, you guys. I mean, I'm sure that if I was to look at your TV channels, they'd look like ours at the moment. It's all just just rioting, just rioting, just rioting. And politicians telling lies at the moment seems to be the, the order of the day. We had one guy up in Queensland. I don't know how, how, well, how informed you are of the Australian geography, but it's up north anyway, small, small town. Oh, the youngest death of COVID in Australia. We've only had 103 confirmed deaths. And one of them has come out as being uh, incorrect information by accident. Of course, it was by accident. Uh, but he was the youngest person to have died of COVID. And then three days later, it came back with, well, he didn't have COVID at all. The other kicker is the, the fellow that was killed in the Minneapolis by the police there. I saw some um, literature going around earlier this or yesterday, day before where they're um, claiming now that that guy had COVID-19. Yes, Stop the press. Stop the press. <laughs> did, this guy, did this guy die of racism or did he die of the COVID virus? <laughs> well, if he had died before, it would have been COVID virus. But yeah. now we have a new, new news cycle, so now he died of racism. This is the way this is being spun here. It's absolutely, absolutely amazing. You hear the stories about local councils and police and whoever else putting uh, piles of bricks strategically around certain, certain suburbs. Let's go back to the group that I mentioned at the beginning, the ADL, the Anti-Defamation League. In 1984, this group became involved with the FBI. 
they became, Trump. quote, advisors to the FBI. That's the Federal Bureau of Investigation. That's the secret police in the United States. Okay. Now, what happens when you bring this group of people in as advisors? They start telling you who to look for for criminals. They start determining who the criminals are. Now, I just told you, 1984 is the year that they gave Mo Dalits their Torches of Liberty Award. Now, for, for 30 years before that, Mo Dalits was head of the Jewish Navy in Cleveland. He was uh, involved in prohibition. He was uh, breaking prohibition. He was involved in, in, in uh, prostitution, and he was involved in gambling. And now nobody goes after those people anymore. Okay, now the ADL is advising. Now they advise that there we have a problem with white supremacy or something like that, and they have these ridiculous sting operations. Where this is literally true. It was a, a trailer park in Michigan where th six guys had one single action twenty two rifle, until the FBI showed up, and then the FBI shows up and starts giving them bombs and automatic weapons, and then they put them on trial as terrorists. Okay, that was not that was not a problem. But there is yeah, a problem. Right. Now, let's let's look at those. You've seen all of the films of the rioting. I don't know what films you've seen. But they're a group of people. They're all dressed in black. And sometimes they wear masks. And sometimes they don't. And they're known as Antifa. Yeah, okay? we, we've, we've got a chapter all three over here as well. They're all over the world. They're all over the yeah. world. And for some reason, these people show up and they get to burn down buildings and nobody goes after them. Well, this is because the ADL is advising people, uh, advising the FBI about who the criminals are. We, we've got to stop this because if you don't stop it, your political, your police organization is going to lose all credibility. And when yeah. the police lose credibility, you've, you're threatened with anarchy, which is precisely what happened here. So the very yeah. oligarchs that are trying to shut us down are undermining the authority of the legitimate police officers. And the result is anarchy and nobody's being punished for it because you can't, you can't have one, you can't have it both ways. Okay. Yeah. You can't politicize this whole police operation and then expect people to respect your law enforcement. Can't do it. Can't do it. Yeah. You know, it's, it's a crazy contradiction. No doubt, no doubt about it. Now you mentioned somebody early, early on in our chat who we, we've all heard of over here as well. He made the news here, Jeffrey Epstein. Now, what a crazy story! Do you know? Obviously, you you mentioned that he's tied in with these these sort of guys and everything that went on. How do you how do you think that played out? What are you what are your thoughts? Because that was a well, it was a pretty big story over here. To be fair, considering the secrecy surrounding it, yes, uh, the ADL was involved in that. Okay, so Jeffrey Epstein was running a blackmail operation. It's that simple. It was under underage girls and very influ influential people, including uh, Bill Gates and um, the uh, Alan Dershowitz, chairman of the, or was in the law school at uh, Harvard University. All of these people get uh, lured down to this mansion in New York City, and there are all these uh, underage girls there. And the point is to catch them on camera having sex with underage girls. Now, he implicated so many powerful people that basically it was only a matter of time before he was murdered. Now I know yeah. you you probably think he committed suicide, okay? No. 
or maybe you don't think that. That's okay. what we were told. We were told that he committed suicide. We were told that but, too. We were told that too. Now, why he would commit suicide is uh, beyond me. The camera got turned off. The security camera got turned off. Uh, the autopsy said it looked like strangulation and so on and so forth. This is one more story of uh, where murder, someone got away with murder and no one's going to pursue it. Okay. Yeah. Because, well, he's a dead now. What are we going to pursue it? No one's going to pursue that story because it, it, it implicated the rich and the powerful and the rich and the powerful do not have to follow the same rules that ordinary people like you and me have to follow. Now, but yeah. to get back to the beginning of uh, what we talked about at the beginning, the 80, uh, this is not the first time that Jeffrey Epstein was uh, in trouble with the law. He had been uh, uh, indicted before and they gave him basically a sweetheart deal uh, where he was, uh, it was, they called it prison time, but he was basically in a, in a kind of uh, a hotel, spent some time in a hotel, and ended up going just back, spending time at home, house arrest. Yeah. That was arranged by the ADL. Okay. Yeah, right. the obviously, of, obviously, sorry. The, the, the lawyer who got him that sweetheart deal, a Jewish lawyer from Florida, and he was given an award by the ADL. So uh, once again, we've got this, this, this group of people whose job is to keep Jewish criminals out of jail, making the rules for everyone else. Who gave these people the right to do this? Yeah. And, and, and the other problem is you got this libertarian stream where uh, th of thought in America where government is the only problem here. Government is the problem. No, this isn't government. This is a private organization that acts with the power of government. That's the problem we have now. We got all these private institutions like Google. Is Google a government institution? Well, they're more powerful than the government of Ireland. They yeah, took yeah. over Ireland. They rule Ireland. Is 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 uh is uh, uh what's the uh the pharmaceutical country eli Lilly. is the biggest is the biggest employer in the state of indiana is it a government institution well no technically not it's more powerful than government that is the precisely yeah. the problem here government has given up all of its power it's basically privatized its its uh, its its operation and now these unelected officials are ruling us with the authority of government. That's got to change. We got to make government stronger and at the same time more docile to the will of the people. Those two things have yeah. to happen. I've got, I've got a massive libertarian streak, no doubt about it, but I also can't stand um, corporatism. So, you know, I just love, I love small independent businesses. I love mum and pop shops. I love uh, governments not interacting, you know, telling us whatever. I think you're 100% right when you say the government needs to be strong enough to stand up to massive business, the mega corporations. I don't want to answer to a mega corporation any more than I want to answer to a government. But I also look at these governments and the mega corporations and they're clearly in bed working together with no accountability to the people whatsoever. And I really like to see the people strong enough and united enough to be able to really hold all these bastards accountable. That's right. Uh, the, 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 crucial, the crucial issue of our day is, is government strong enough to stand up to the oligarchs? Is government strong enough to stand up to Wall Street? Is government strong enough to stand up to big uh, tech Google, this type of thing? That's the big question. And the answer right now is no. <laughs> the answer is no. 
because government is basically a, a they have enough money. There's a certain group of people that have concentrated so much money in their hands that they can buy politicians with you know yeah. left and right. They just buy them. They're cheap. They're 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 not as cheap as professors, but they're cheap. You know, compared yeah. to, to to everything else, and and they're a dime a dozen, and that's the problem here. This is this the democracy, uh, the American experiment has never solved the oligarchy problem. It's never solved it. So it's always been this situation where we need to give the illusion of popular sovereignty, but the reality of oligarchic control. That if you're a politician who can do that, you will be showered with money because that's the illusion that you have to give. That's the illusion yeah. you have to give. So to give just one example here, the mayor of South Bend, Indiana, the homosexual mayor of South Bend ran for president. Well, this is ridiculous. Nobody from South Bend runs for president. Why are you doing that? Well, the reason is because he was really, he didn't represent the people of South Bend. He represented yeah, yeah. oligarchs. So he got, he had a, a degree from Harvard. He was a Rhodes Scholar. He had the best resume in the history of the state of Indiana. If there were a resume Hall of Fame, his would be the first one you look at. But the only <laughs> problem here is, I know you're the smartest guy in the room, Pete, but you don't represent the people of Indiana. And to be honest with you, I'd rather have a dumber guy representing my interests than a genius who represents the interests of the oligarchs. Yeah, yeah. And that, that, that's the little pocket that I'm hoping to, for this little constituency I'm participating in. I'm just here. I can't be bought. I can't be sold. I have my principles and my codes, and I'll, I'll fight for these topics. These are the things I'd like to see happen. These are the things that I think need to happen. And... No, I won't capitulate. I'm not going to all of a sudden change, you know, everything I do and the way I do it. You know, I, I, I want to be a reflection of an average person who's willing to stand up and fight all, all these sort of overlords. I, I can't stand the idea of overlords. I don't want to own anybody, you know, and I don't right. think anybody else right. is capable right. enough of owning, owning me better than I can. And I've got to, you know, nobody's going to be a better Dr. E. Michael Jones than you, and nobody's qualified enough, capable enough, smart enough, any of the above, to tell you how to be better at being yourself. You know what I mean? Like, I'm, I'm not, and I don't think anyone can do that for me. That's right. And that's the principle of representative government. And I hope you win. <laughs> me too. Me too. It's highly unlikely because I'm young up against you become the prime minister, When you become prime minister, invite me down and I'll give a speech. I'll invite you down anyway, and if you want to give a speech, we, we come over anytime you like. All we've got to do is get you through customs and what have you, and we'll put on an event. No, no worries at all. Good, good. Um, you know, I'm sure I can arrange something like that. I'd be more than more than happy to do it. You, you did a mixed crowd, no doubt, but if you if you're keen to come over, I can arrange it, and we'll we'll sort sort out an event and or a couple of events. Uh, we'd be more than happy to have you. And my my theory in life is I find people smarter than I am. Learn a little bit from them, talk to them, get their perspectives. Hopefully, you know, improve things. You know, improve my brain as I'm going, and and ideally introduce people like yourself to people who may never have heard of you before. Um, I, I had Jeffrey Tucker on the program. I don't know if you know Jeffrey. Yeah. Um, yeah. He's an amazing, amazingly intelligent man, and I find a lot of what I do is kind of simplify things for for people. You know, like yeah. people who would never look at Jeffrey Tucker and 
or, or Dr. E. Michael Jones and, and think about it, they go, why is he talking to Dean? That doesn't make any sense. And I, you know, because we're all the same. Some are more intellectual in some areas and some are really good at cooking. Some are, you know, and that's what people forget. They seem to forget that everybody breathes the same oxygen has something of value to contribute to society. That's right. That's right. So you're, you're well known as outside of anybody who, and I'd really love everybody to get a bit of an idea of, of who you are. You've written an enormous amount of books, have you not? I have. I have. The most um, recent you know. book is, is Logos Rising, a history of ultimate reality, uh, which is the result of me traveling all around the world and engaging in conversations from all different kinds of cultures and realizing that we have now some type of uniform world out there where, where you can all speak English and we need to raise this uh, consciousness to a higher level. And the basis of that consciousness is Logos. And that, what that that's what that book is about. But I've also I've read I've written a history of economics. Well, I'm sure Jeffrey Tucker would love this book. <laughs> Jeffrey Tucker would not like this book, but it's the other side of the story. This is not a okay. libertarian. This is not a libertarian history of economics. It's called Barren Metal, a history of uh, capitalism as the conflict between labor and usury. And I know one man who would like this book, and it's Bob Santa Maria. And you probably don't even know who Bob Santa Maria is, but he was a, a really important Australian uh, that had a real impact on economic thinking back uh, in the fifties and sixties. Okay, right. I'll have to. I'll have to do some more homework. I mean, yeah. and that's. I, I. I love. You know. I. I obviously, I'm. I'm very much. I have a lot in common with Jeffrey Tucker on the philosophy side of things, and. But I, I love the idea of being able to share ideas with people you don't agree 100% on with things. That's right. how you learn and you, you expand and you become, a, a, you know, a better person or, a, you know, more interested person. So, you know, for our, for our audience, where do they find all your books? Because that's a key thing. Culturewars.com. Uh, Logos Rising has just come out. It's Good only available at culturewars.com. Okay. Okay. I actually had a friend um, who participates in the show as well. You might find this a little bit interesting. He was recently, he wrote a book and was banned by Amazon. God bless him. Now, well, yeah, yeah, I, I thought you might find that interesting. So he's been on, he, he called the book The Great Coronavirus Swindle. And he, the feedback he received from Amazon and all of their affiliates, nobody would touch him was that they will not produce this book on his behalf uh, as anything to do with uh, coronavirus has to come from the World Health Organization. Um, so he, he's made a couple of... Who appointed these people our rulers? <laughs> Who appointed this Ethiopian the lord of the, of the world? Who did this? Amazon <laughs> is doing it to us. Yep, yep, they're all doing it, which I thought, I thought you'd find that pretty appealing. Uh, so he, he is, his name's Stephen Wells. His previous book was called uh, Confessions of a Climate Change Denier. Um, I can't speak on his literary capabilities in, in the grand scheme of things. I do read quite a lot, but, you know, I'm certainly no professional critic. But um, he, he sort of put out a little video saying, and he bought Mein Kampf um, on Amazon just to sort of prove a point. Anyway, so this little book here by Adolf Hitler, one of the most demonized men in the world, you can't, uh, you can buy on Amazon, but my little book here about coronavirus, little Stephen Wells, and he's, 
he's a funny little Englishman. So he's, you know, he's a bit cheeky and he's, uh, you know, he's a really fun guy. And he goes, so you can buy this book. I buy my book. And, you know, he sort of, he was taking the mickey out of, out of Amazon, which I think is right. You know, like, how can you bet, you know, your business is producing books that people send to you. You're not a, a, a they're not editors. They're not publishers. Well, they sort of are publishers. And as a private business, I can respect do whatever you want. But really, are, are you guys that serious of control freaks? And it's terrifying. Well, that's what happens when you get too big. And if there's one company that's too big, it's Amazon. You know, because yeah. then you start saying, I don't care. I don't care if we lose money. I, we got so much money, blah, blah, blah. And you start treating the product, the people who produce the product with contempt. And our Amazon is getting more and more arrogant in this regard. And uh, yeah. pride pride goeth before the fall. Yeah, yeah, no, it's terrifying. It really is. So, um, Hopefully, hopefully they're not going to ban you anytime soon. Do you rely on them for anything at all, or I not really? Banned. I'll give. You, I was uh, the best. I have uh, about forty books, e-books on Amazon Kindle. Okay, yeah. And the absolute bestseller was a book I wrote called Jewish Privilege, and I got banned. It got banned, and so then the next I had a book called Jewish Nazis. It turns out every time you put Jew in the title, it becomes a bestseller. So uh, Jewish Nazis is based on a film. Right. Uh, okay. The, the film was about a Jewish Nazi. It was produced by a Jew. It was about a Nazi, a Jew who joined the Nazi party. Okay. It's called The Believer. Well, guess what? Amazon sells the film. But they won't. Oh, right. They, they sell the film, but they won't sell my ebook, which is a review of the movie. It's a review of the film. Does this make sense? Does this make any sense? And you can't reason with these people. The you don't. You don't know who did it. You don't know why they did it. They just say it's. You know. You can't. You have to. We're removing it. This is. This is part of the tyranny that goes when you have these organizations that are so big that they hold everyone in contempt. Okay, yeah. they treat you like crap, whether uh, especially if you're a producer, if you produce the book, they have policies that are always uh, against your interest. You know, God bless them for the good they do. But someone, uh, who, are there any adults in the room at Amazon or do they just have robots uh, going through and coming across certain words and banning it according to these principles? Well, to be, to the the, the follow-up on Stephen Wells's story is he went through, because he with the coronavirus stuff happening, he's not allowed to work at the moment like a lot of us. We were all, a lot of us were, you know, stopped from working. So he thought, well, I've got a bit of time on my hands. So he went through and everywhere, everywhere in the book that it said coronavirus, he changed the word to censored. And then it was approved. Okay. So he resubmitted it as... The great censored swindle. No problem. So you're probably very close to just robots. There's yeah. clear, they're, they're clearly doing... That's the first line. Words. When you're dealing with something this big, it has to be robots as the first line of defense. And I'd like to... I, I, I got I, I to go. We got to close here. But I, one thing I wanted yeah. to say was the fact that people like you are the main victims. Uh, uh, people who own restaurants, small restaurants, small businesses. These are the people that really were driven to the wall by this by this coronavirus lockdown. And this is one of the last 
bastions of economic independence in our society. I mean, it was under threat. I mean, the fact that we have McDonald's, these, these fast food chains, has destroyed thousands and thousands of businesses, small businesses of people who used to make a living by making hamburgers or something like that. These were the victims, and this has got to be made apparent. And it's got to be made apparent in the next election, for example, in Michigan, that these people are going to have to say, hold this lady accountable for the destruction of the economy for no reason. And the proof of that there was no reason was the allowing these anti-racism riots to succeed that just like that. Yeah, anyway. 100%. Hey, Michael Jones, thank you so much. Everybody watching Resolute TV, check this man out. You may not agree with everything he says. You may agree with some. You may agree with it all. Uh, but please check him out. He's obviously a passionate freedom fighter who, who believes, and we need more men like you who stand up for what they believe in. So thank you so much for your time. Every every guest we get on Resolute, we love it. So check him out. Thank you so much, E. Michael Jones. You have a great day. Stay safe in the US, and I look forward to hopefully uh, talking to you again. Thank you.